Today, I'd like to look at a famous passage in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be starting at verse 14. But this is probably uh, the most famous passage when we think of the fact that we are called to be light. We are called to be light to the world. Now, as you're turning there, let me just share that Jesus is called the light of the world. We know that. But in this passage, we as the church, as believers, are called the light of the world. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 5, just verse 14 through 16. It says this, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So you, you are the light of the world. That's actually super exciting, I think, that God actually uses us to be light, that he uses us to impact other people with the gospel. That's why we're in New York City. That's why God saves us so that we can be a light to others. Now, when you look at this passage, it says, so that people see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So if you look only at this passage, you will think that the only way that you are a light or maybe you'll think the primary way that you are a light is by your lifestyle, is, is, is how people watch you and see what you're doing. And I want to say that that is one way that you are a light. However, what we see as we look all through Scripture is that is not the primary way that you are a light. The primary way that you are a light is not by what people see, but you are a light by what people hear. The primary way that you are a light is not by what people see you doing. The primary way that you are a light is by what people hear you saying. All right, let me give you an example of what I mean. Um, because we see examples all through Scripture uh, about this idea that we are light or that our, our light really shines through our mouths. So our light shines through our mouths. Um, and to be honest with you, I think that we would prefer that people just see our deeds and that we wouldn't have to speak. And I think the reason we prefer that is because if you do good deeds, people will love you for it. If you speak about Jesus then you run the risk of people alienate, alienating you for it. So speaking is much harder when it comes to being a light than just simply doing good deeds. Oftentimes we love the statement, there was a guy named Francis of Assisi, and he made this statement, which has become very popular. He said this, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Now that's a great statement, for what, it's, what he's communicating, but I don't think it's completely accurate to what the Scripture's saying. 
I think if we were going to adjust it a little bit, and of course I have no right to adjust, to adjust Francis of Assisi's words, but if we were going to adjust it a little bit to make it more in line with Scripture, I think it would say something like this. Preach the gospel at all times and whenever possible, use words. Preach the gospel at all times and whenever possible, use words. So let me give you an example from Scripture how we see this idea of our light shining through our mouths. Our light shines through our mouths. So if you were to look in John 12, you don't need to turn there, but in verse 46 and 47, Jesus says this. He said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, and then he continues. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that you don't stay in darkness if anyone hears my words. So the primary way that Jesus was a light was by through his message, by his words. Jesus in John chapter 5 says this, and Jesus here is talking about John the Baptist. Listen to what Jesus says here. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony is true, talking about the Father. And then he says this, you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. And then it goes on in verse 35. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose to enjoy his light. So John, John the Baptist, was a light through his testimony. That was the primary way that John the Baptist was a light, was through his words. So our actions are very important. The deeds that we do that people see are very important because our deeds till the soil in other people's lives, but our words plant the seeds, all right? Our deeds till the soil to prepare their heart to receive the good news, and our words plant the seeds. You see, if our lifestyle is not living according to the light of the gospel, the seed will never penetrate. They won't receive that from us. But when you live a lifestyle that's showing the love of Christ, that's showing good deeds, people's heart, their soil of their heart becomes tilled up so that they're ready to receive the seed that you have to say. Basically, our actions speak, you know, our actions come out and they till the soil and it's our words that then put the seeds in. But our actions have to till the soil, but our light comes through our words as well. One other place in Acts chapter 13, we see Paul and Barnabas going out and uh, he, they were going to the Jews first and in Acts 13, 46 through 49, uh, it says this, Paul says, we had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Uh, for this is what the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light to the Gentiles. So Paul says, we had to speak the word of God to the Jews, but since you're rejecting it, we're turning to the Gentiles, God has made us a light to the Gentiles through our words. Our words. So the primary way that we are light is through our words. Our good deeds till the soil, but our words plant the seeds. Our light shines through our mouths. It enters people's 
ears. I'll tell you, so in New York City, we uh, have a one-year church planting training program. And we have missionaries from all over the country, from all different organizations who come to us to get trained to do missions and to engage people and to lead people to Christ and to start churches and so forth. And one of the primary things that we work with them in for the entire year is we try to train them and coach them and help them turn up the volume to their spiritual lives. Try to turn up the volume to their spiritual lives. And all of us in here today have our, our spiritual volume at a certain place on the dial. Maybe some people here are one, some people are three, some people are five, some people are a 10. Who knows? But all of us have our, our volume somewhere. And one of the things we do in this program is to try to help people to turn up the volume. And one of the things that I've seen over the 10 years that we've been doing this training is this. Those whose volume is the highest lead the most people to Christ. The people who live out loud the most lead the most people to Christ, period. The people whose volume is the loudest lead the most people to Christ. Now let me say that our words and our testimony is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And we sometimes think that sometimes we have to get a whole bunch of knowledge first and we have to clean up our life first and do all of this stuff and become this perfect person for our words to be powerful. And that's not true. The Holy Spirit can speak through you right now. Do you remember in John chapter 4, the woman at the well? Now, here you have this woman at the well. Uh, she comes to Jesus and they have this very you know, short conversation Basically, uh, Jesus starts to talk to her and says, can you get me some water? She's shocked that Jesus is talking to her. And she's shocked because, one, he's a Jew, and she's not. She's a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. She's also shocked because he's a man, and she's a woman, and he's talking to her about giving her a drink. And she, uh, basically, I'll, I'll give you the short version. Jesus said, if you knew who I was... You would ask me for water, and I would give you living water. Basically, that's the gist of what he said. If you knew who I was, and if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for water, and I would give you living water. Jesus is trying to help her to understand that she is spiritually thirsty. She doesn't understand this. She thinks Jesus is talking about physical water. So Jesus says, uh, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, that's true. The fact is, is that you've had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband. She's shocked by this, right? Now, why would Jesus share this? Why would he reveal this? Jesus was trying to help her understand that she was spiritually thirsty and she was missing this idea. She, she wasn't understanding. So Jesus tried to show her how she is trying to have her spiritual thirst satisfied. All of us try to get our spiritual thirst satisfied in a whole bunch of different ways. 
Some people think, man, if I can just get the right promotion and the right job, then I'll be spiritually satisfied. Or some people, I mean, they wouldn't say spiritually satisfied, but we run after things that we think will satisfy us in life. Man, if I can just get that promotion, or if I can just get that new house, or if I can just get that vacation home, then I'll be satisfied. If I could just get, if I could just have children, then I'd be satisfied. Now, for this woman, she was thinking, if I could just find the right guy, then I would be satisfied. And what she found, very demonstrated very clearly, is that finding the right guy or finding a guy is not going to satisfy you in the deepest part of your soul. And she found somebody and she wasn't satisfied, so they divorced. And she found somebody else and she wasn't satisfied, so they divorced. And she went to looking for somebody else and divorced and divorced and divorced. And she was just so thirsty. And Jesus was saying, only I can satisfy your deepest thirst. She said to him, she said, you know what? I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Jesus looks at her and says this. He says, the one you're speaking to is he. The man you've been waiting for all your life is standing in front of you. Now, all right, so that's, a, that's all tangent to my talk here. Now, this is all to say this. Her life is changed. Her life is changed. She goes back to the village. Now, let me just say that she was the, she was the, in the eyes of the people in the village, she was like the trash of the village. She was this loose woman with no, she was just the dirt of the village. People looked down on her, right? But Jesus changed her life and she goes back to the village and she starts sharing with people what Jesus did and what Jesus said and how Jesus changed her life. And if you were to look at the end of John chapter four, it would say this, many people in that village believed in Jesus because of her testimony. This is the nobody. Let me ask you a question. How many evangelism courses do you think this woman took? How many? None. How many Bible classes? How much scripture did she have memorized? How many presentations of how to share her faith did she have? None. How long was this woman a believer? Hour? Half hour? I don't know. She just went with whatever she knew, and all she did was say, I'm just going to tell people what God is doing in my life. And because she opened her mouth, many people in that village believed in Jesus because of her testimony. She opened her mouth, and she was a light, and God used her powerfully. One of the worst things in the world that I think has happened over some past years is people have been led to believe don't share your faith. Don't tell other people about Jesus until you get things all cleared up and understood in, the in your theology, right? And all of this, unless you take some courses, just tell people what God is doing in your life and he will use you. Just turn up the volume. For me, I can tell you this. Every believer is the same. No superstar Christians, all right? No superstar Christians. Everybody drifts spiritually. Right? And so what happens to me when I drift spiritually is my volume goes low. 
And when I come back and I'm walking more, when I'm walking closer with Christ and I'm abiding in Christ and the Holy Spirit, my volume goes up. So I'm constantly, I, you know, sometimes it drifts and I have to say, I have to come back and I have to actually begin to focus on, I need to turn my volume back up. I'll tell you why our volume is low. There's a couple reasons, to be honest with you, why our volume is low. One reason is, is because we drift spiritually. The other reason is because our culture has told us to keep our mouths shut. And we have said, okay, we will bow to your demand. Our culture has told us it is not politically correct for you to talk about spiritual things. And we have, we have bowed to that. And we have bowed to the pressure. You know, when we bow to that pressure, we are basically denying who we are as children of the Holy Spirit and children of light. Children of the Father. We are denying who we are. You see, when you put your faith in Christ, you became a new creation. All things are old and gone, and now you are new. You are a spiritual child of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you and dwelling you, and he is now speaking through you. You have become an ambassador as if God is making his appeal through you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. We have become ambassadors. God calls us to be a light and to be his mouthpiece. And when we bow to the culture, we are basically denying who we actually are. It's interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this, starting in verse 4. Uh, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and your strength, and so forth. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on in the following verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and tells us how, what it looks like when we love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and strength. It says this. It says, talk about him when you get up in the morning. Talk about him when you sit at home. Talk about him when you walk out on the road, when you do your business. Talk about him when you come home. Talk about him when you lie down. We get this picture in Deuteronomy 6 that what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart is that we talk about him. I mean, think about it. What have you ever been excited about that you don't talk about? When something meaningful and powerful is happening in our lives, we talk about it. So one, we need, this, we need to abide in Christ, but also we need to get back into the habit. We need to learn again how to turn the volume up, and it takes some intentionality and practice. So this is what we do in this, our, our training in New York City is we teach people how to do this. And I can tell you, there have been times where my volume has gotten low and I said, Lord, I'm going to turn up my volume. I'm going to engage people spiritually. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about you. So one of the things that we say to the people in New York City is this. We say, from conversation number one, from the very first time you have a conversation with someone, they should know that you are a spiritual person. I'm not saying that you're sharing the gospel. They just, they'll just know from your language that you are a spiritual person, that God is part of your life. If you don't tell, if they don't know that after conversation number one, conversation number two, it's twice as hard to, to share that or to speak that way. 
If you don't do it in conversation number two, conversation number three is like five times as hard. If you don't do it by conversation number three, if you wait till conversation number four, it is like 50 times harder. And now you're saying, how could I possibly talk about spiritual things? So we tell people from conversation number one, talk to them about spiritual things. So, you know, I, at, at this one point when I really started to see these passages and understand that God wants me to turn up my volume, I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to slow down as I go out and, and talk to people, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to be really intentional about engaging people spiritually. So I go to the gym, and I'm at Planet Fitness, and I'm leaving, and usually I get changed upstairs, and I walk out the door, and I just go. But I decided to kind of you know, just slow down and engage people along the way. So I'm walking out and there's a person behind the counter and I said, uh, I said, how you doing? And she says, oh, I'm great. I was like, really, why? And she said, I found my phone. And now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, say something spiritual. And, you know, I'm not really a praise the Lord type of person, so that doesn't flow. I'm not one to be like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, it doesn't, I'm actually getting closer to that, but I'm really not that. It's not, it doesn't fit who I am. Um, and that's okay. You know, we're all, we have our own personalities. So I wasn't going to say praise the Lord. So I'm trying to think of what I could say. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you is twofold. One is when you try to live out loud in the beginning, you're going to say a lot of dumb things. But don't be discouraged by that. God can still use it. So let me just share it in this case. So I'm trying to think. She says, I found my phone. I said, really? And I'm, I'm trying to think of everything I can possibly. I said, wow, you should gather your friends together to celebrate. <laughs> she had no idea what, was, what I was talking about. You probably don't even have any idea. <laughs> and then she's like, she's like well, I, it took like three days. It fell down in the, in the side of the cushion. And it was like three days later, blah, 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 that I found it. And I said, actually, there's this story in the Bible where someone loses something and they find it, so they gather all their friends together to celebrate. And actually, it's talking about how those people who are far from God, when they come back, all of the angels gather together to celebrate. And she said, really? And then she says this to me. She says, you know, I've never been to church, and I'm not really a religious person. But about three weeks ago, for some reason, I just had this desire to buy a Bible. And so I bought one. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God was working in her life? God was working in her life. You see, what happens when you live out loud is you find the people who are spiritually interested. And Jesus says, my father is always at work. He's always at work to this very day. And Jesus always also says, the harvest is plentiful. What that means is that there are people all around who are spiritually receptive, all around us. And the way that we find out who is spiritually receptive is you turn up the volume. When you turn up the volume, you will find out who God is working in. And I said, really, so are you interested in learning the Bible? She says, I bought one, I guess. <laughs> and then I said, hey, well, why don't you gather some people together and I can come over and we can do a Bible study together. You know, I'll tell you what, I used to think that if I didn't share with this person 
If I didn't live out loud, then I would have left and this person would have been completely lost and God would have never reached them. But you know what? I don't think that's true. You know what would have happened? If I didn't open my mouth, I would have walked out, I would have missed an opportunity, a blessing. Someone else who God has you know, moved to open their mouth will walk by, they will open their mouth, and God will use them to engage this person spiritually. You see, God's kingdom is moving. The gates of hell cannot prevail against his kingdom. But you know what? I have an opportunity to be a part of it, but if I don't, his train is going by. His train is going by. And you know, sometimes we look at some people and we say, man, why do they have so many opportunities? God gives them so many opportunities to engage people spiritually and lead people to Christ. And the reason is because they live out loud. And if you turn up the volume, you will begin to see opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I'll just tell you a quick story. A, a pizza guy came to my house. We delivered, a, I mean, we ordered a pizza and he was delivering and he came to my house. And I said, oh, thank you so much. I said, what's your name? He said, Mohammed. I said, oh, really, Mohammed, where are you from? He said, I'm from Senegal. Now, this is kind of my, one of my go-to living out loud statements when I meet somebody for the first time, especially if they're from another country. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Senegal. And I said, really? I said, God's doing some powerful things in the lives of people from Senegal. So, now I didn't share the gospel. I just said that he just now knows that I believe in God and that I, this is spiritual talk. I'm living out loud. And he said, really, what do you mean? And I said, well, some people are having dreams or visions and people are turning to Jesus and so forth. And, or, and I said, Isa al-Masih, which is Jesus the Messiah in Arabic. And he said, really? And I said, are you interested in learning more about Jesus? Um, and he said, you know, he, I can't remember actually what he said. It was, this was about a year and a half ago, but I'm going to tell you this story. So um, I said, well, how can I pray for you? I said, let me text you and we can talk about the, you know, I can talk to you about Jesus. So he gave me his number. We got together. Anyway, we started getting together. We started praying for, I started praying for him. We started doing a Bible study week after week after week. He goes back to synagogue. At another situation, one of our teammates is in the store talking to somebody else about the gospel, and this woman walks by and says, what are you guys talking about? And he said, well, we're talking about Jesus. Long story short is this woman says, talks to him afterwards and says, actually, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm from Senegal, which is 99.9% Muslim. She says, I'm from Senegal. I want my people to know about Jesus, but I don't know how to do it. So we started to coach her and train her. Uh, she goes back to Senegal, and she starts a church. I was there six weeks ago doing some coaching and training for this church. Anyway, Mohammed now is back in Senegal. He's emailing. I just got an email from him yesterday, but he's emailing back and forth, and he said, hey, please pray for me. I'm really struggling in my job here. I said, hey, there's a woman of God in your city. Um, can she come over and pray for you? So she goes over to, to Mohammed's house, and I'm at a wedding about you know, three months ago, and she texts me and says, Muhammad just put his faith in Christ. You know, God is doing incredible things, but it's about living out loud, and we get to see these opportunities over and over. But it doesn't always go well. Let me share with you another story. This didn't go as so well. So I have this eye condition where I have a deteriorating eye condition. So every six months or so, I have to go to the eye doctors, and they clamp open my eyes with some kind of clamp like this, and I'm in front of a camera, and they take pictures, right? So I'm sitting there with my eyes clamped open and looking at it, and the technician is there 
and I'm, and I'm trying to think of how can I live out loud. So I'm thinking, nothing's really coming. And the only thing I can think of saying is this, um, which is not good, it's really dumb, but just be gracious to me. I said, so my eye condition, do you think this is because of my sin or the sin of my parents? Because there's a place in scripture where there's, you know, someone's blind and they say, is this because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And my eyes are clamped open and there's this long pause. She's not answering. I'm like, oh no. And then this is her response. She says, you'll have to ask the doctor. <laughs> I guess she was trained not to give a diagnosis, I guess, you know. Oh. But I can tell you this, I've never seen that woman again. Never seen that woman again. It's okay. Let me share with you one more story, one more story, and then because my time's running out. But listen, we have this woman, we'll say her name is Sue. She's in one of our house churches in New York City. And Sue really wants to live out loud, right? And there is this Bangladeshi family that lives next to Sue. Sue has small kids, and the Bangladeshi woman family has small kids. And Sue and the Bangladeshi woman, their kids would get together for play dates, right? So, um, Sue comes to us and says, oh, please pray for me because I, I just want to engage my neighbor spiritually, but I just don't know how to, I don't know what to say. I don't know, what to, I don't know how to bring it up. I don't know how to bring up spiritual things. And uh, so we're praying for Sue, and a week goes by, and we say, hey, Sue, did you have any, did you share with your neighbor? She says, oh, not yet. I just, the, you know, the door wasn't there. I didn't have anything to say. So we're uh, praying again. A couple weeks go by, a month goes by. Hey, Sue, how's it going? Still nothing. Two months, three months. Sue, we're praying that you can engage your neighbor. How's it going? Uh, nothing. So this is going on and on, and Sue is agonizing. Oh, I just wish I could turn up the volume. And then something interesting happens. Uh, Sue calls her neighbor, which they often did, and she says, do you want to come over and play? Because they have these play dates. An hour later, the Bangladeshi woman shows up at the door, and she goes, I'm here to pray. Now, what happened? English was not her first language, this Bangladeshi woman, and she misunderstood Liz said, I'm sorry, Sue said, <laughs> Sue, <laughs> Sue said, do you want to come over and play? But the Bangladeshi woman heard, do you want to come over and pray? And she, within an hour, she said, I'm here to pray. Now, how do you interpret this this situation. I think there's a couple ways, and they, both, they might both be right. On the one hand, God in his graciousness and mercy, Sue was agonizing and wanted so much to live out loud that God caused a misunderstanding and opened a door for Sue that she was struggling to open. And I think there's truth to that. That's how good God is. You know what I mean? All right, so that's one, that's one possible interpretation. I think that's possibly true. Let's look at the other possible interpretation. All this time, Sue is agonizing over how can I engage my neighbor spiritually? All this, she's just agonizing. And all she had to do was say, hey, do you want to pray? And she's here, yes, I want to pray. 
You see, most of the agonizing feeling that we feel about talking to other people spiritually, I believe it's self-induced. We put it on ourselves, and if we would just live and be comfortable in our own skin and be the people that God has called us to be, other people will feel comfortable and they will share, yeah, you know, I really would like prayer. Thank you so much. And they would just open up. You know, I was actually, I actually gave this talk at another church just about a month or so ago, and the pastor called me as I was driving home, and he said, I just got a phone call from someone in my church. I said, really, what did he say? He said, this guy went home, and he's been living next to his neighbor for 10 years, and he goes out, and he sees his neighbor kind of picking up some, uh, some stuff in, kind of in his part of the yard. So he said, he went out to the neighbor and simply said this, and he never did this in 10 years. He simply said, I forget what the guy's name was, but let's just say Joe. Hey, Joe, um, what's going on? What, what, is everything okay? And then he said, is there anything I can pray for? He said, I just got up the guts and I just asked my neighbor, is there anything I can pray for? He said, Joe started breaking down and started sobbing and saying, my marriage is falling apart, you know, my relationship with my kids. All he said was, hey, Joe, is there anything I can pray for? And Joe's heart opened. And we are so afraid to turn up the volume. And yet the harvest is plentiful. There are thousands of people all around who are ripe for salvation, who are ready to talk about spiritual things. They just can't find anybody. And if we just turn up the volume, God will use us just like he did the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. But we have to resist the lies of our culture that says you cannot live out loud. I'll tell you what, we work with a lot of Muslims, and I can tell you this, you know who has no problem living out loud? Muslims. From the very first conversation, God's part of their language. You know who has a hard time living out loud? Christians. People who actually have the Holy Spirit, we are struggling, whereas people who are following... They talk about God all the time. We have to bring God back into our language. We have to bring God back into our worldview. This is what it means to be a child of God. You see, our light shines through our mouths. Our deeds are important. Light shines there too, but it primarily shines through our mouths. The deeds plant, uh, till the soil, but our words plant the seeds. Let me end with this from Romans chapter 10. Uh, Paul says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is 13 and 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And if you don't like that word because it sounds so preachy, how can they hear unless they hear someone talking about God and telling them, just sharing their story? That is the only way people come to the gospel is through their ears. That is, the, that is the ultimate, they will see your deeds, they will be interested, that will till the soil, but unless they hear the gospel and believe, they will not be saved. And God, through his grace, he could do it without us, but through his grace, he says, I am going to give you the joy of being my mouthpiece. I am going to give you the joy of bearing fruit I am going to give you the joy of seeing people turn to God and come to Christ and their lives being changed. Let's love out loud.